Well, uh, good afternoon, uh, everyone. Thank you for coming along. It's um, always good. I was going to say it's almost always good to be back, but I didn't really ever leave, to be honest. But uh, it's good to be here again um, with you. Can we please turn in your Bibles this afternoon to uh, the book of Genesis? Uh, the book of Genesis and chapter 11. First book in your Bible, uh, book of Genesis and chapter 11. And we're going to read the first nine verses. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar, Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down. And they are confused their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. And that is all that we're going to read <clears throat> this afternoon. Now this is a really um, famous story. <clears throat> a lot of Uh, stories in the book of Genesis are particularly famous Um, and you've probably heard this one because it's quite a common story you might have even heard it in school um, because it's a story that we quite like to tell Tom was reminding me last night that I told this story at Exchange um, last year because this is one of my favourites actually I love this story I think it's a really good one but it's also really powerful and there's lots of uh, lessons that we can take from and really important lessons now Just in case you don't know the story, I'll just quickly run through it. The kind of plot of this story is in the book of Genesis. It's shortly after uh, the story of Noah's Ark. If you were flipping flipping back a few few chapters, you'd find the story of Noah's Ark, which is obviously, arguably, a much more famous story. I'm surprised if you didn't know that one. Um, But now we have the story of the Tower of Babel, and it's a really famous story as well. And uh, I was doing a wee bit of research and some people said that maybe about six generations had passed uh, since the story of Noah's Ark. And there could be, the earth could be been populated with as many as 30,000 people. Because remember, in Noah's Ark, the earth was reduced right down to just eight people. So generations have passed since then and there could be as many as 30,000 on the earth. And the people have been told to disperse throughout the whole earth, to populate the whole earth. But chapter 11 at the start tells us that the people all migrated together into the east into the same place in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. They didn't disperse. They settled in the land of Shinar. And if you, as we've read, um, they started making bricks. They started then building houses. And they were getting quite confident with themselves, and they attempted to build this city and this tower in this city that would reach right up into the heavens. Their pride came in. They all had one language, um, And as punishment, because they were all speaking the same language, in punishment, God came down 
and judged them for their pride and confused their language, it says. So a lot of them couldn't understand each other, confused their language. And the people were then dispersed in their language groups, presumably over the face of all the earth. So that's the kind of quick rundown of the story. And I'm going to break this up, um, this message up into kind of three parts um, that I want to talk about. First of all, I want to talk about man's pride, man's pride. And then I want to talk about God's punishment. And then I want to talk about God's plan as well. So man's pride, God's punishment and God's plan. So number one, man's pride. The real reason that we see the Tower of Babel being built, um, the real reason was because of these people's pride. These people were proud. Now, pride is something that I'm sure that we can all um, see in other people quite a lot. We can see, oh, that person's quite full of themselves. They're quite proud of themselves for that, aren't they? And what it does, it just really causes us to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to do. And that's what we see with these people. They were becoming quite confident with themselves. They were becoming quite big for their boots, as we might say. They didn't think that there was anything kind of out with their means that they wouldn't be able to do. Romans 12 and 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according to as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God hates pride. God hates pride. I was reading an article and it listed some subtle symptoms of pride. And I was kind of doing a checklist in my head, identifying it for myself. And I thought, hmm, I can see a lot of this in myself. Fault finding, a harsh spirit, superficiality, defensiveness, presumption, desperation for attention, neglecting others. Pride is something that I can definitely identify in myself. In verse 4, it says that these people wanted to, quote, make a name for themselves. And that's an attitude that's quite prevalent in our society today, isn't it? It's not something that's exclusive to this passage. These people wanted to make a name for themselves. We see that in our our politicians and even our work colleagues, our celebrities and uh, influencers today. Everyone is out there wanting to make a name for themselves. But I don't want to just talk about pride and isolation here because pride is just one example of sin. It's one example of many sins that we commit and that we can recognise in ourselves. Uh, Because where people exist, the problem of sin will also exist. We're all sinners. Romans 3 and 23 says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. Sin is not just a problem for these people in this time at the Tower of Babel. It's a constant problem for man. It's been a constant problem throughout the generations. And it's a problem for each of us still today. And what sin is, is it's really just falling short of God's perfect standard. God is completely perfect, completely sinless, completely holy. And he has a perfect standard. And all of us, because of our sin... What this sin causes in us is to fall short of this standard. I remember a few weeks ago, um, Alec John was here speaking and he, he used the analogy that I always like of, you know, like an arrow falling short or a dart falling short of hitting a target. That's what sin is for us. It's falling short of God's perfect standard. And if we were to go back a number of chapters in the book of Genesis, we would find the beginning. We would find where this came from. We all know the story, Adam and Eve. 
And again, we can talk about pride here, but pride was just an example of sin, of them putting themselves higher than they should have, of them falling short. Eve was tempted by the serpent. She wanted to make herself bigger and better than she had been created. And Adam as well. And that is how sin came into this world. And it's never left. As I said, God hates pride and God hates sin. And the Bible tells us that if we don't have the Lord Jesus, if we don't have salvation, if we don't have our sin dealt with, then we'll be punished. And I want to move on now to my second point. So we've talked about man's pride. Now let's talk about God's punishment. And we see God's punishment in this story because God's punishment is something that we see a lot in scripture because God's punishment is just. God's punishment was doing for the people what they wouldn't do. By changing their language and by dispersing this people, this is what God wanted all along for these people. It was a just punishment and it was reasonable. It wasn't unjust because God is a God of justice. As I said, we've all fallen short of God's perfect standard. We've all rebelled. We've all turned our back on God. And if you think to yourself in your own time, in your own last few hours even, it won't take long for you to think of the last time that you sinned, of the last time that you fell short of this perfect standard, of the last time that you lied or cheated or gossiped or thought something nasty. I can think it of myself as well. And you may be thinking to yourself, oh, no, but yeah, I've done these things. I've done some things that aren't so good. But overall, I've done way more good than bad in my life. You know, if you were to kind of make a list of all the good things that I've done in life and all the bad things, there would definitely, I've done a lot of good. I've never been in major trouble, um, you know, with the law or anything like that. I've never broken any major laws. Um, I've always done my best to try and be a a nice person, to be a good neighbour, a good colleague, etc., But the Bible is clear that if we break even one commandment, if we sin and if we commit one sin, we're guilty of breaking all of them. And the same is to apply in our legal system. Think of it. The same principle applies. You know, if a if a murderer or a, a robber was on trial in court. A judge or a jury isn't going to look at the good things that he's done in life and say, "Okay." We acknowledge that you've done this, you've murdered someone, you've robbed someone, whatever. But okay, fair enough, you've, you've done some good stuff as well, so we'll just let you off. That's not justice. That's not how justice works. And because God is a just God, because God is a God of justice, our sin, our rebellion against God requires a penalty. It requires punishment. And the Bible tells us that our sin keeps us apart from God. And the penalty and punishment that we face if we don't have our sin dealt with, which we'll come on to, if we don't have our sins forgiven, taken away, then the punishment that we'll face is eternity separate from God. Eternity in a place called hell and the lake of fire. Eternity apart from God. But this message that we preach, this message preached week in, week out from this platform, isn't a message of doom and gloom, which it seems like I've presented so far. Because this gospel message that we present is a message of good news. Because the good news of salvation is that there is a way that we can have our sin dealt with, that we can have our sin removed. 
and that we can have a relationship with God. I'll come on to now my third point, God's plan. So we've looked at man's pride, God's punishment, and now God's plan, God's plan of salvation. You know, if we look back to the story, these people, they were supposed to disperse throughout the earth. They were supposed to populate the earth, but they didn't. They disobeyed. And then they became proud in their own actions and they started to do things because they were relying on themselves. And we don't know why. We don't get a reason, really. Um, Perhaps they just wanted to be great. They wanted to be remembered as great people. Or perhaps they just wanted an easy life. They wanted to make themselves quite comfortable and do things that would make their own lives easier. As we said, they eventually came to want to make a name for themselves. But whatever the reason, these people were disobedient. And this is something that we see throughout scripture and it's something that we can see in our own lives, disobedience. Many societies have in the past tried to ignore um, God's will for them. But it's only been to their detriment. If we look through scripture, Babylon, the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, Persia, these societies are all long gone. They all rebelled and they're all long gone. Ultimately, God's plan for these people to disperse the the earth was fulfilled. And God also has a plan for us. God has a plan for man's salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, often we can be like these people. We can recognise traits in these people in ourselves. That we try and build our own kind of Tower of Babel. That we think that we can save ourselves. And that's what the world teaches us, of course. That's what the world sees in us or wants to see in us you know in order to get this better life in order to improve your own life make yourself more comfortable to kind of live your best life you just have to go out and you have to work hard and you have to earn it you have to go and do something and be a good person and earn it and you'll get what you need but the bible tells us that there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves there's nothing that we can do to have our sin taken away and that's what this message is about. <clears throat> that's what this gospel message is about. It's not about, it's not a self-help guide on how to become a Christian. It's not saying you have to go and do X, Y, Z, and then you'll be saved. You'll have your sin taken away. That's not what this message is about. This message is about presenting the one true saviour in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord Jesus was provided as a substitute for us. We rebelled. We sinned. We turned away from God. We couldn't um, save ourselves. We can't save ourselves. And so a substitute was provided for us in the Lord Jesus. And if you look through the gospel passages, you'll see that the Lord Jesus went to the cross. He died on the cross at Calvary and he became our substitute. And he was the only person that could have done this. This wasn't just something that anyone could have done. The Lord Jesus is the only one who could have become our substitute, who could have taken the punishment for our sins on the cross. And the reason for this is because the Lord Jesus is completely sinless. He was completely perfect and completely holy. And on the cross at Calvary, the Lord Jesus endured unspeakable pain. You know, we can read about it um, in scripture. Nails pierced through his hands, a crown of thorns placed upon his head, crucified, mocked in a degraded, laughed at, spat on, It's quite harrowing to read about. But even more, the whole wrath of God was poured out upon him. 
And on that cross, he bore the punishment for our sins. First Peter 2 verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. The Lord Jesus bore the punishment that we rightly deserve. And because of this sacrifice, because of what he's done, God is righteously able to forgive our sins. You know, that verse 24 that I read, First uh, Peter 2, goes on to say, By his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are healed. Not by anything we've done. Not by working really hard are we healed. Not by being a really good person are we healed. Not by going to church every week are we healed. Not by being a nice neighbour. Not by being a good colleague are we healed. Obviously all these things are good to do and we encourage it of course. We would encourage that and we want to be like that. But these things are not what heal us. The Bible says by his wounds we are healed. Just to close, I want to talk about um, a woman who, um, from back home who I know. Um, I won't say her name, just, I'm sure no one will know her, but just in the off chance, you never know. Um, she is a woman from um, the church that I was brought up in, where my parents still go. And she was, is a woman who would probably put most of us to shame in terms of her uh, kindness, her generosity, she was, she's a genuine, one of those people that is just genuinely a lovely person and never has a bad word to say about anyone. And every time you speak to her, you just feel um, a wee bit better because she's just one of those really great people. So kind. Um, she would buy Christmas presents for every single person in the church. Um, you know, when my parents, um, whenever they have a grandchild born or whatever, um, she's at the door with a big bag of knitting that she's done um, for the baby. You know, one of those people. You get the idea. Um, and she's, she comes along every week to the church. She uh, sits and listens really well. She's, um, she come, she's been coming along since I was a wee boy. But the reality is that this woman is not going to heaven as of today. And it breaks my heart to say it, but this woman's eternal destination as of right now, is hell, is punishment. Because what she's trying to do with all her good deeds and her kindness and her love and her generosity, which is great, but what she's trying to do with that is she's trying to work her way to heaven. And if you speak to her, you realise that she is not a believer. She hasn't put her faith and her trust in the Lord Jesus. She hasn't had her sins forgiven. Because she's a sinner who has never put her faith and her trust in the Lord Jesus. She hasn't taken that step, that step of faith and recognised that she's a sinner who needs to have her sins forgiven. And that's what this gospel message, as I've said, is all about. It's nothing that we can do. It's nothing that we can earn. It's nothing that we can work towards. It's all about putting our faith and our trust in Christ because he has done it all for us. He bore the punishment for our sins so that we don't have to. You know, a hymn that I quite like, I'll just close with this. A hymn that I quite like, um, the first verse is, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and rises life up from the dead. Let's pray.
Our God and Father, we give thanks for this time that we've been able to spend together singing uh, praises to you. And our Father, we give thanks for uh, the gospel message. We give thanks for the simplicity of the gospel and that it can be understood by even young children. Our Father, we pray for each and every person in this room uh, this afternoon, Father. We pray that if there's any here who have not put their faith in you, who have not recognised their need for a saviour, who have not recognised that they are sinners who need to be saved. Father, we pray that this afternoon they wouldn't leave this place without realising their need for a saviour and putting their trust and their faith in you. We ask all of this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.